0: Metal episode 56 in this episode me and Rob are going to be doing our kind of summary of uh, 2019 so this will be split into two parts the first part is us doing all our honourable mentions and then the second show will be us doing our aggregated like joint top 10 list of the year so in this we're just going to discuss everything we kind of found interesting or you know feel was worthy of discussion and then a few bits of like Great live gigs we witnessed um, and other stuff like that. So, I guess, yeah, if we we jump straight into it, any genre in particular you want to start on, Rob? Um, Well, there
1: was a lot of death metal out this year. Mm. There's a lot of good death metal that's going around. So, let's start with that. Um, Because it's one of the things we talked about sort of earlier this year. Uh, I talked about Ossuarium a lot, who were Mm. an interesting, sort of slightly proggy take on that dirty death metal sound. But there were a whole bunch of like, really cool death metal releases this year which didn't quite make it but i thought were all interesting two mold put out planetary clairvoyance which was really cool um which vomit i can't remember the name of the album i love the band name but a really <laughs> cool album ossuarium gatekeeper gate creeper did an amazing slab of hm2 worship which i <laughs> loved you know it's it's like the hm2 sound is a very particular sound but you know they had the riffs to match it there was a
0: load of really cool stuff there. Um, I was going to say with um, uh, Gate Creeper, because you weren't so into their previous album, or at least I've not really heard you mention Gate Creeper before.
1: Um, this, so, this is the first one I've listened to properly. Like, I've come across it before, but never it never sort of really grabbed me. Um, But this one, I sort of just put it on. This whole thing was like, actually, that really works for me. You know, it's pretty straightforward. It's just
0: really good riffs with a nasty guitar tone. But that worked for me. Yeah, and and I'm with you. Two Mould, Planetary Clairvoyance, is absolutely excellent. And I feel eternally sorry for that band, where they seem to just be existing in Blood Incantation shadow. Yeah. And I don't know that they're ever... (laughs) Because they're always going to be not quite as good, yeah. but my god, that album was well constructed. I've heard some sort of backlash against it, but I thought it was just a step up in every way from Mana personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think Mana just about made my top twenty last mm. year, but yeah, I thought Planetary Clairvoyance pr- was was better.
0: Like it was tighter, it was more focused, it had more interesting structures going on. Yeah, that was the thing I really noticed with that one was the the song structures were very like ambitious and. Often like quite weird in places. Um, yeah, I found some other like interesting ones sort of later in the year. There was a really good EP by uh, Ripped to Shreds called uh, "Demonic St- uh, Demonic Scriptures," which is a yeah. one-man, super nasty, I think HM two based, uh, uh, but like quite techy death metal band. Well worth checking out if you want. More of this, like that really grin sounding stuff with a lot of their uh, basis in like Japanese mythology. That's oh, have a cool kind yeah. of, and uh, yeah, that was one I found like last night. Another one I really liked on the kind of ugly end of things, I don't know if you listened to this one, was Vastum's artificial purge. Yes, yeah, Vastum have just got down that horrible sound so well.
1: They now. just have such a chunky guitar tone, you know, like it's incredible to listen to. No one gets that, just like that grit to it, but. Without just sounding like screeching, it's so
0: full. Yeah, um, and with the twin vocal attack of her, uh, I forget the, sing- the main vocalist's name, but with Leila Abdul Rath doing the, the higher pitch screams, like, yeah, it, it's just brutal. It's a really, really brutal, nasty album. Mm. But yeah, if you want that kind of sound, things, I think Vastam right up there.
1: released Death Atlas um, which I liked um, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't reach up to their previous incredible standards um, Inhuman Monoliths and um, Anthropocene Extinction for me are just so good um, Death yeah. Atlas picks up a little bit where Anthropocene left off and is, is pretty solid um, it doesn't change anything in terms of cattle decapitation for me, You know, Travis Ryan is still one of the best vocalists out there and his vocal work on this is phenomenal Like, there's just no two ways about that He's doing things that no one else is able to do, um, but yeah, like, like another
0: solid album. Yeah, it, it, I, I've got to admit, I had the same kind of reaction to it. It's quite a recent release, so maybe I just need a bit more time with it. Mm. But at the moment, it's not blowing me away quite as much as the two predecessors. But if you've yeah. been listening to my my shows of best of each year, both those albums were number two in their respective years. Yeah. So, it, like, by saying it's worse does not stop it being no. an absolutely great album.
1: No, they absolutely haven't dropped the ball. It's still something that's like... They're still performing like incredibly
0: well. They're still doing great things. One um, one I've talked about at excruciating length on Punishing Brutality a while ago was Halfs of Rotten Ruin, which I believe was... Yeah, it was a debut album for this band. Doing something, I think, actually neatly following from to Decapitation... I think they're, they're a band who have taken some of the ideas from that, but doing them in a bit more long form, with some melodic stuff going on there as well. Like they have an edge of that cool, like almost melodic, like sing screaming in places, mm. which is just a super catchy thing to do over this really nicely produced modern sounding stuff with just excellent, ridiculous musicianship throughout. Yeah, like it definitely one of his debuts of like, I can't wait to see more from that band. Yeah, it's one of those that I need more time
1: with. Um, I, it, it was one that I listened to a little bit when it came out and it just sort of fell off and I need to go
0: back to it and properly look at it. But I remember enjoying it. It's just there's yeah. there was loads of stuff. There um, was a lot and it's a long album. Mm. But it's one I feel is a touch more subtle than some of the other ones we just mentioned. Mm. So it would benefit from a few more listens. One totally unsubtle but brilliant was Mis- Misery Index Ritual of Power. Yeah. yeah I, I don't yeah, know how you got on without compared um, to the other I've, stuff.
1: I've only, so, again, Misery Index is one I've got into quite
0: recently um, because of our friend who's got really into them. <laughs> <laughs> to put this in context, our friend Finn uh, played us some Misery Index. And I was like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed one of their albums in the past. So, he lent me, he went, <laughs> went up to his room and came back with every single CD of theirs. <laughs> so, he'd been slowly working through. Uh, yeah through that discography, and yeah, it's great. They, they're a band who, I would argue, really deserve to come out of Dying Fetus's shadow, because mm. I would say their last couple of albums have been at a much higher standard than the last few Dying Fetus. I don't think the last few Dying Fetus are bad by any means, but I think Misery Index are kind of forging ahead into their best material, mm. whereas Dying Fetus, it feels like their absolute best stuff slightly behind them. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, not to say they're bad, it's just, I, I think... Miser and Death seem to be the more interesting of the two bands mm. at the moment. Um, one that... Have you got any other death metal releases?
1: Uh, in the very traditional camp? No, that's probably the lot for me. Yeah. So I suppose a sort of bridging one would be something like Damim. Um, so yeah. Damim released a fine game of nil this year, which we did talk about uh, sort of a halfway through the year episode. I really like this album. Um, it, it's one of those ones that's just about missing out. Like, I think... I can't remember if it was in... Whatever topic it was in. But it's one of those ones that's near the top ten... Definitely for me. It's a really interesting combination of all sorts of bits of extreme metal with bits of black, bits of death, bits of thrash. Uh, It's got the trademark weird angular riffing style, really great drums on it. Phenomenal vocals, which give you just this amazing sense of anger, which I think a lot of bands... When you fall into just the super guttural, can lose yeah, and yeah. Damon sound
0: angry no, at this, every single stage. There is a rage within what Damon do, which I, I find absolutely incredible. They're a band um, they they benefit from spending more time with because their music is it's not got the most hooks in it. It's it is as Rob said, very angular and very inventive and strange, but not always the most easily accessible Mm. and this album was such a cool follow up like it was their first release uh, in like 11 years or something like that and it it did not disappoint as a follow up to the Excellent Difference engine yeah absolutely love this album
1: fits into death metal, or at least how i think about it. Um, Sup with Dissymmetry.
0: Ah, yes, yeah, so this is a band I've got really into over 2019. So Sup used to be known as Supperation, and I first came across them through their 92 promo demo, because that's the kind of asshole <laughs> I am. Um, but Sup were a French death metal band, although they started off as such, who were always slightly avant-garde and a bit odd with it. Their debut album, The Cube, is completely bizarre. What they did was really neatly combine kind of a lot of like gothic rock elements with very angular but simplistic death metal, mm. like r- and a real love of putting everything on the offbeat, like yeah. making yeah. stuff really catchy by having everything on the offbeat and just yeah, very intricately constructed songs, but everything's like deceptively simple. And uh symmetry is quite nice because. As they sort of um, gave up on Supperation as a project and changed into Sup, who became far more influenced by the goth end of their sound. Mm. Disymmetry was really nice because it's them going a bit more back to the extreme end of what they do.
1: Um, yeah, th- th- this album's really interesting. Like the first song I heard off it was the single Cathedra, and it's got it just starts off with this really cool drum groove, like really nicely produced drums. I love the drum sound on this album, and it brings in like stuff that you might find in like a you know, like a a rock group or even like pop. Like There's bits of it where the effects on the guitar almost make me think of like really old U2 or something like that. And then they mix that with incredibly catchy death metal. Like they still do that thing with the offbeat and with weird song structures that makes the extreme parts way catchier than they should be. Like it
2: was yes. a
0: really interesting take on death metal. Yeah. Um, if you're into low clean vocals as well, this this is a great band for that. And actually... Stuff later from the album, like, um, oh, I'm blanking the name on but it's one of the singles they released later on, starts off like ed- just classic goth rock. It mm. really, and then goes like quite death metal in the moment, but they actually got a grasp of doing that really good, like, almost Joy Division style kind yeah. of riffing. Yeah. They can do that as well and, and neatly combine the two, which I, I found very, yeah. Like, really interesting, and it's something I got deeply into this year. Yeah, and I think that's another one that was a narrow miss out on the top 10.
1: Like, we both thought that was a really.
0: logical kind of move from this is into tech death, which weirdly not something I'm hugely into but actually this year I've got quite (laughs) into quite a few bands in this Um, so one I wanted to talk about which is one of my favourite albums of the year is a UK band, Unfathomable Ruination with a Mm. new album Enraged and Unbound. They're a band i always struggled in the past because they're that very brutal, up front and centre, super aggressive uh, vein of tech death Lots of like everything being low and very blasty, but with this album, it got so dynamic and interesting. Yeah, it, it like the amount of changes. I think, like, someone's I can't remember who said this to me was just saying, like, it's like really flashy in places, <laughs> like, it, it's got a great kind of selection of different paces to it, it's really all over the place, like, it's very, very engaging throughout. And like, this is a genre that you can often kind of baffle and kind of be easy to get lost in the noise. This mm. album remains really interesting and engaging the whole
1: time. Yeah, I was really surprised with this one because I found it fairly early in the year and thought, this is not what I expected it to sound like at all. Like, some of the vocal stuff as well, there's loads of experimentation going on with, like, really
0: theatrical, like, properly extreme vocals. And I loved that. Like, it yeah, was yeah. really interesting. Because I was totally... I've not really listening to this band much before. I was totally expecting that one low guttural voice yeah, throughout. Yeah. But there's loads of dynamics and and... With it being a tape-deaf it goes out saying, actually, everyone we're about to talk about, everything on it is brilliant. Like, yes, yeah. these guys can play so bloody well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, like, this is, this is just a perfect example of where technicality can meet death metal and just make it better.
1: Just quite fits into tech death. And I'm just thinking of them. Um, Gamora released yeah, yeah. a really cool album this year, um, which had just some bizarre riff structures in it, which I really liked. Um, sort of like bordered on some of that, like using those Genty style really low strings, but I thought they did it in a really interesting way, which kept it really aggressive and sounding like. Not just fading into, like, here's a really low sound and that's heavy. Like, being heavy and
0: incorporating that sound as part of that heaviness. Yeah, the Gamora album felt like... It's really short as well. It's, like, 27 Mm. minutes long. And it just... It's very, very dark and scary throughout There, Like, for an album that's so technical and so brutal, it remains, like, quite shocking. Yeah. Uh, and yet another Hannes Grossman uh, drum performance yeah yeah, and his performance is obviously really good on Mm. it but you get some really good sound out of it the drums sound amazing on this Uh, have fun googling this band because the album is called Gamora (laughs) and they are one of I think 12 bands called that on Metal Archives such a
1: common metal band name yeah yeah. Not quite as famous as Sodom, so there's loads more
0: bands who reckon they can take it. Yeah, yeah. One in quite a different vein of Tech Death I enjoyed this year was Freedom of Fear with Nocturnal Gates, who are an Australian Tech Death band, but in the more melodic vein of Tech Death. So there's a lot of, like, the solos on this album are what really sells it. If you're someone who, you know, you're missing some really greatly bizarre moments on this, like, this an album to go for just on that front, but all the performances are amazing. There's some brilliant riffs, even some fun interruption of saxophone in places. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah it, like very much in the Rivers of Nile vein. Like, um, yeah, actually, if you really enjoyed that Rivers of Nile album, this I'd highly recommend going for. Oh, one both of us enjoyed, which was a total surprise, was Elegion's, uh Apoptosis. Yeah, yeah, the, like long running, very um. Like hyper tech American band who I always skipped because I thought I'd hate them, and I put the sound on, and I just think it's great. I really really like it. Yeah, and I don't know whether I've got, I don't know whether I've just changed and like, oh, I now get tech death in the way I used to again. But yeah, the sound I just loved it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it like it meshed so many interesting things together and getting into that sort of headspace where you're listening to that super clean production you can just pick out all of these things out of it is really rewarding hearing those bass parts and those guitar parts interlock in a way that you don't if you're listening to like a dirty or black metal album or something like that is really, really nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, it very cool. Uh, an EP I really enjoyed um, is from the One Man tech Left Project, Estrine, uh, and this is Wisdoms of Silenus. I don't know if you've heard Estrine before. No, I haven't. Um... They're really fucking weird. <laughs> and they they sort of um, flip back and forth between tech death and black metal, kind of wedged together, and then really weirdly aggressive bits of acoustic guitar thrown okay. at the top of yeah. it. And yeah. it's it's all nightmarish and confusing and. So fast, like this. This EP <laughs> is like six tracks long and about 15 minutes, and so much happens in it that you just come out the other side feeling a little bit ill and <laughs> <laughs> but needing to go back and hear it again. Yeah, they released now back in 2018, I think it was. It was absolutely brilliant as well. I just, yeah, it's like they've been going for a while now, and yeah, they're just going from strength to strength with this stuff. It's all very home produced the artwork is incredibly simplistic, like, hand-drawn stuff, but it it just has a lovely, like, it has that great one-man vibe where it just feels like one person realising this strange vision they couldn't possibly convince anyone else to go (laughs) along with. But but yeah, absolutely excellent stuff. Of cowardice, have you come across no, this one,
2: No, I didn't
0: one though. Right, so Vitriol um, have been getting a lot of attention. They had an EP, um, I think, last year, but they've been mainly getting attention for so having the most intense playthrough videos oh, ever. Right, yeah. Whether it's the guitarist and bass player just sat on their sofa and they look <laughs> so fucking scary and into it, <laughs> like you can see all the veins popping out on the guitarist's neck while he's like shredding. They're a power trio who play a level of tech depth that is beyond comprehension. <laughs> the vocal performance is utterly amazing. It's like much like that Bannon thing of mm-hmm. having the rage and fury right front and centre. Great variation. The bass playing is so complex. The guitar playing is so complex. And somehow they're still doing vocals. The, the problem with it is, this would totally be like my number three of the year, if it wasn't for one thing about the mix that ruins it, for me personally, I realise other people will get on board with this, the kick drums are so fucking loud on the album, they drown a load of the cool yeah. work. Out. So, like, And they sound quite artificial, where it's like the guitar and bass work is so fluid and incredible, but when I'm listening to it on headphones, and there's any other background noise at all, I can't make out anything You're happening. You're just getting, like, the thundering kicks. I mean. Yeah, it's, uh, the thundering kicks, and I believe, like, Sample replaced Snare as well. Like, mm. I might be wrong on that, but it's all got that really, like... Um, like, it, that, that kind of triggered sound that's fine, but just turn the drums down a bit. Now, people will disagree with me. People will love this album. And he's it, it is, it is great. Like, they are not wrong. This is utterly brilliant, but... It is that kind of modern mix. There's a couple of albums I've had the same issue with. Uh, the last Morbid Angel album, uh, Kingdom's Disdain, yeah. I just couldn't get past the drum sound on it. I,
1: I still have the same problem with Rivers of Niles, the most recent album. I love it, but its kick sound really infuriates me.
0: Yeah, this one I'd highly recommend you give a go because everything else about it is fucking ludicrous. Mm. But um, yeah, they, I think as well, I desperately want to see them live because I've heard. This just translates live perfectly. Cool. They were recently supporting Nile and oh, managing right. to be the band people talked about after seeing <laughs> Nile live. So yeah, I, I, I foresee good things in this. These guys' future. Just thinking about something death metal that I've forgotten. Um,
1: Haunter released a Sacramental Death Qualia, which I really liked. Um, it has that. F- it, it is one of the closest things I've heard of to like old Opeth riff
0: styles. Yeah, there they was certainly like their use of acoustic guitars in transitions was really clever. There's a lot of very um very experimental song structures on that album. I yeah. I really liked it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it was, and again it was like I think it was a fairly short one as well. It was around the forty minute mark if I remember yeah. correctly. Like sort of quite clear to the point, but really experimental. Like changed a lot of things up, had weird riffing styles, which you don't hear very often
0: and did really interesting song structures alongside that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it was very, very complex in the vein of how the songs are constructed more mm. than how difficult they are to play necessarily. Yeah. But yeah, um, beautiful album cover again. It's an yeah. Ivoid Hanger release. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. That, that band, that, that label, sorry, you need to go on their band camp page. Because the amount of good album covers they there's have, at the There's so much there
1: that's brilliant. Yeah, there's, there's a, like I spend a lot of time just trawling down that page, going right, listen to that, listen to
0: that, listen to that. Yeah, and a lot of them are genuinely like bands that live up to their cool, weird covers. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably about it from the death metal side of things. Um, oh, one other I've seen. Uh, this is not one I got obsessed with, but definitely worth a go if you want your out there tech death. Uh, Biscravity's Anathema uh, I've got in my notes fucking mad Japanese tech death and it, it, it is one of those like just everything going on but the effect it has when you first listen to Origin you're like oh, oh yeah. for god's yeah, sake yeah. slow down I don't know what just happened <laughs>
1: please give me a moment yeah.
0: if, if you want that kind of effect these guys would be great alright uh, what should we do next um, should we talk about black metal let's do black metal oh, yeah Okay, uh, yeah. What have you got on your list? Um, so, um, some
1: things that we talked about previously: Fall of Roros, mm. and something I really liked. Patterns in mythology. The lead guitar work on that was phenomenal. Uh, I know we mentioned it before, but yeah, some of these sort of recurring motifs in that, the incorporation of um, some of the natural sounds into it, like the running of water, it's just it was just lovely. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it uh, much like I said. Um, Earlier, if if there's a like if you're someone who's been really looking for great guitar solos, this is yeah. some of the best solos I, I've heard all year, easily. Like mm. they're very much the high points of the album, but a lot of the other stuff about it is competent as all hell. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. Um Yellow Eyes released, I think it was Rarefield Calling, the name of the album. I've heard a lot of people
1: talk about this, I've not got to yet. So I, I really liked it. It's got a really cool solo. Sort of, it includes a lot of Sort of Siberian instruments, like a lot of things that you might f- people use, like wind chimes and things like that, has been incorporated in really nicely. It's something that narrowly missed out around my sort of top fifteen. Um, yeah, just like just like a really interesting naturalistic take on black metal that used like reasonably upmarket production, so it sounded
0: clear. You could tell what they were going for with it. Um, yeah, really enjoyable. Cool. Oh uh, yeah, that that is that's on my list already of like stuff I miss that I need to check out. Um, one I imagine you've listened to because this has been doing the rounds quite a lot. Uh, the new obsequy psalms of the sorrowed kings. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you reckon to it? I've
1: only I've only heard that in passing. That's one of the ones where I've seen people talking about it. On shit, I need to listen to this.
0: <laughs> so, I, like with this band, I I feel I'm. On like I'm on the edge where I just don't quite love it as much as it's as the real fans of it love it. I've heard some people saying it's like the closest they've heard people get to like early Opeth, and I can't quite see a comparison. Like it's very good melodic black metal, and then there's some very good like acousticy, um, very medieval interludes. Um, actually, well, like they do the job of. The lyrical and conceptual matter being reflected in the songs because I wasn't listening to it, and my girlfriend walked by and went, "This sounds like music about old castles, <laughs> which it's literally about." <laughs> and we, so that's great. The, the problem I had with this album is I didn't think the transitions between it was like essentially they'd written two great albums. Mm. They'd written a great mm. melodic black metal album and a great acoustic interludes yeah. album. Yeah, but I don't, I don't get the transition between the two. I love them both separately, but I kept feeling like. All right, that's the end of that. Now something new. Like, yeah, yeah. And because it quite short and like, a lot of those transitions, yeah, it, did, it didn't work for me as much as it has for some other people, I think. Mm. Um, another great one which
1: we talked about previously was um, False Portent, um, mm. which I really like. Like, it is, in a sense, it's in that very sort of emperor traditional style of black metal, but I feel it did some really interesting stuff with the kinds of emotions that it explored. It felt like a really triumphant album at the same time as being quite sad and sinister and I really liked how they did that. Incredible
0: musical performances on it as well. Um, really great album. Yeah, yeah. Um what else was really decent? Oh, there was um a band I came across towards the end of the year called Ex Exclus- Exclusansis uh with Sequestered Sympathy, which is yes. a really cool kind of mixture of atmospheric black metal where cello takes a massive mm. part in it. They're another US black metal band like America is having an absolute black metal renaissance at the moment like they are one of the countries to totally beat for it which is amazing because they used to be basically a joke on that front um, and yeah the the last couple of years stuff like this is coming out and just if you want that kind of brand of very mellow atmospheric black metal that kind of evolves in an interesting way this is absolutely excellent Mm. in a similar-ish vein the new Dreadnought Emergence, yes. I thought, was yeah. fucking brilliant. I uh, we talked about Dreadnought on our 2017 show, who kind of um, ha- involved some keyboard and saxophone and clean vocals over their brand of quite um, raw black metal. Yeah, and essentially with Emergence, they just got heavier and more to the point, Like the songs are shorter and more focused, and yeah, they just released an absolute mm. stunner of an album. with with probably the best album cover they've ever had as well yeah
1: I think so and the adrenaline are still going really strong and still evolving which is really nice to see as well
0: and uh, like always bears mentioning a band with two women in 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 the genre of this extreme is is still like quite a rarity and to see one that is not only great but totally pushing the boundaries Mm. really fucking cool
1: Trillium, uh, which was an I, Void, Heart 1 which is, the way I would describe it, it's if the Monolith Death Cult made black metal, it would probably (laughs) sound something like this it was bizarre and so huge in scope that I am going to need to go back and revisit it properly. It's got an uh, an album name which is something like The Fifth Ashes of Tellur I this Is this the one with the giant blue figure on yes. the cover? Yeah, yeah, this is great. No. It's got the absolutely bonkers cover and it's an absolutely bonkers album which has got so many elements in it somehow coming together. And I've yet to fully process
0: it, but I found it really interesting. The thing that, uh, that really grabbed me with that album was it is so brutal when it yeah. starts. It, yeah, it like the the whole tone, the vocal delivery, everything is so really like like as you say, like that Monolith death cult side of like really brutal mm. death metal. Like yeah, they this super guttural low vocals, but still has that kind of a cultish black metal yeah. agency to it. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Um, oh, like, a country that are just going from strength to strength on black metal, and I have a few I've got to mention from there, Iceland has Damn. had another excellent year. So, uh, a while ago, Caitlin introduced me and Rob to the band Ashtafir Leeson, who are an Icelandic-German collaboration who do very progressive black metal. So they put an album this year, which I think is the best they've ever done, and our friend Caitlin doesn't like, because <laughs> <laughs> um, essentially the the album, the two albums she introduced us to, I felt had that early Opeth kind of vibe of doing a lot of clever stuff, moving between acoustic, very melodic kind of folky elements with a lot of like Icelandic history brought in as well, mm. which was you know the incredible like extra string to them. And then like some more heavier moments. The new album, just really heavy. It's yeah. It's still got a lot of those clever acoustic moments. They do a lot with these very low chanted vocals. Like the low clean singing stuff is amazing. It won't be for everyone, but personally I absolutely love that. But this album is way more brutal. It's yeah, still yeah. it's still proggy, but this is a heavy album. Mm. This one's got a non-English character in it, but it looks a bit like a P, so I'm going to go with that. This is Mispriming, uh, M-I-S, weird character, Y-R-M-I-N-G, with alugiumy. <laughs> <It's, laughs> you can only do your best. I, I, it's, it's not very yeah. good. Um, but they, they did an incredible version of really melodic black metal, mm. but it was melodic black metal which still kept an edge of heaviness. And still kind of sounded unique. It wasn't just doing the dissection thing. Mm, but it, yeah, really, really catchy, memorable stuff. I think this is a band I think a lot of people will be talking about come the end of the year. I don't know if you came across this one. No, no, I didn't come across
1: I came across the Aspher Listens, but not
0: this. Okay, so yeah, this one's been getting a fair amount of coverage. It's got a weird cover of like a, a figure on like a kind of greyed out background lifting something above their head. But okay, yeah, yeah. If you like if you like Black Metal to be melodic and to the point. These guys nail it. It's really mm. good stuff. And finally, a really weird one. Uh, this is Kaelia with Heart of Lead. So two years back, we covered uh, the band Drogsoul, who mm. were a young Icelandic band who had just put together this cool death-slash-black metal, really riffy album. So that album, that band imploded, and the two main members from it formed this band and have gone off into some... Crazy progressive territories. Mm. The album cover it will kind of tell you all you need to know. It's absolutely bizarre and gives no hint what genre it would be. <laughs> um, and the the album keeps switching between things. Like it starts off feeling very Icelandic black metal, but then all of a sudden you're into brutal, almost like the heavier end of death metal territories. Mm. But there's all sorts of ideas explored in a really short runtime. Excellent production. Yeah, Just really exciting stuff from a very young band, and yeah, incredible yeah.
1: debut. Yeah, um, have you hit, listened to the Panopticon EP, uh, The Crescendo of Dusk?
0: No, I saw this came out like a couple of days ago, yeah. and I was I totally missed this, it.
1: This is also on my um, list of things to get back to, uh, particularly as I love their last album so much, but it's not something that I've had the chance to yet
0: explore this year. Um, one I really like that uh, I'd have to like needs mention. um. Funereal Presence. Uh, yes. Actius. Uh, yeah, this is a band, I think I think they've only got one album before this, but they are a band who do a really inventive thing, I believe another one-man project, with, yes.
2: yeah. with
0: um, taking the idea of very raw, primitive black metal, but making it really progressive. Mm. So, so it's like four quite long tracks, which goes through all these really interesting movements. like... And also, it's just really catchy throughout. Yeah, but but it it, almost—it's not quite the level of production that like
1: early mayhem. But it feels much more like that. And yet, the what's being recorded is you know musically years and years and years ahead of whatever was being recorded when you think of that sound. So it's really interesting. It's like someone went back in time and just you know
0: gave some people some ridiculous music that no one had ever heard before. Yeah, just really inventive in the traditional black metal style. Um, something I don't really know where it sits, like I've got a couple of black and death metal projects. Ceremony of Silence put out Otis, which is one of those very well produced, huge sounding. Kind of um, if like Gamora ever slowed down, like mm. if Gamora weren't so kind of completely brutal the whole time, but still an extremely oppressive album. And another brilliant one man project, Dawn of Nil, puts out Culminating Ruins which is somewhere between tech death and black metal, actually much like uh, Estuarine's EP, as similar vein to that, where it's like, but not quite as um, all over the place, but still like madly technical. And then you get another French project where, yeah, Dawn of Nil. if you want to give mm-hmm. like a one man project to go, really intense stuff.
1: A um, thing that I thought was quite interesting was um, Soul Dusk, which I believe is an Australian band who released um, Luna Falls, which was a very sort of like um, acoustic, atmospheric, black metal tinged album, which does have some harsh vocals and like heavier parts on it. Um, it has that sort of Alceste feel, and in places, um, some of the particularly towards the beginning of the album, some bits which feel like Damnation era Opeth. Mm. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and then managed to match that with some screen vocals and some really nice sort of instrumentation as well. This has passed me
0: by completely. I've yeah. not even heard of it.
1: Yeah, this 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 was a weird little one that I found a, a one woman project with, you know, some session musicians who I bel- I believe who come in and perform the parts for the album. Um, yeah, a really interesting album.
0: Okay, yeah. Um as you mentioned them it'd be remiss not to mention that Alsace put out a uh, Spiritual mm. Instinct this year. Where does this stand for you in terms of um, stuff. I thought it was quite interesting. Um,
1: but it, it so it sort of passed me by in a way.
0: I didn't I didn't not like it, but it didn't do anything massively new for me. Yeah, that's the thing I kind of initially I really loved it when I heard it, but I realised kind of in hindsight, I can't see myself ever listening to Eclis Galoon or La Voyage Lam like any less because this exists. Yeah. Yeah. I like it's. It's a really solid album. The production. It's one of the nicest tones they've had on an album, actually. I really like how it's how it's produced. I don't know. It it will really be a test of time whether this is one I go back to a lot or one I totally ignore. Yeah, whether it actually sticks in you to be the go-to sort of access listen. Yeah, because that's something the like they've now got essentially five albums in more or less the same vein. Mm. So we're at that point where. It's cool, and I'd thoroughly enjoy seeing tracks of it live, like they're coming to yeah, Bristol yeah. in a couple of couple of weeks. That'd be cool to see. That might be the point where Ivy converts me to thinking it's brilliant, but otherwise, like, yeah, it at least proves that Shelter was a rare blip in their yeah. like quality of <laughs> <in> their output. <app, laughs> like, we've now got the point. It's like, oh no, they've not run out of ideas. They can certainly still mm. happily mm. churn out the sound and keep it interesting.
1: Um, Girls Weird. Oh yeah. Um, released uh, Ghosts Ghost Invited. Um which I thought had a bunch of cool ideas in it. Um, I thought it was a pretty interesting album with some like slightly weird takes on black metal taking it in a bit more mellow direction, but still feeling really quite unnerving and having those extreme parts with I thought Gar did a really good vocal performance, particularly the clean vocals on this I really like. Um, yeah, like a pretty cool take on more traditional black metal.
0: Um one I really liked very early on in the year. Was the one-man project from the U.S. an isolated mind? I'm losing yes. myself. Yeah, this album had—I I, I don't know why—it had this profound impact on me when I first listened to it. Well, there's a—the songs start off quite, um, quite intense. It reminded me of uh, the, the band Convulse initially, mm. um, and it starts off quite intense. But then halfway through, I think it's the first crack it moves into this amazing melodic uh, passage led mainly by like, kind of stringed instruments, I think possibly a violin or something. And the move was so totally seamless that I just had this thing of like, I can never write, Like I should yeah. not do music because I can't, I could never afford to do that. That yeah. is so, it was absolutely beautiful. And, and there's a lot of moments like this where the, the guy behind it, has come up with some of the most incredible transitions. The only thing that lets it down for me, and this is purely because I'm not into every genre he focuses on, is the last, I think, 15-minute long track is just a straight drone doom at the end Mm. of it. And that, to my ears, felt like it just came out of nowhere and was completely unnecessary. And I much prefer the kind of more experimental stuff earlier on. I don't know how you felt about this one.
1: Yeah, so I had a similar thing where... I really liked the choices that it made throughout, and then it just sort of, it like we were talking, like we've talked about of lots of albums. I think it didn't end with its like biggest crescendo, showing you some of the best parts that it had to offer. It just sort of petered out, and that was a little bit of a shame. But like it had a, it's a really interesting album emotionally because it has so much that's quite disturbing about it and yet at the same time it has some really nice melodic sections.
0: (laughs) I did see him threatening on social media earlier that if he's not number seven or higher on everyone's list he's going to release an entirely drone album next so we may have fucked up. (laughs) That's fine. I won't listen to it. Um, But no, like really interesting, like weaving so many different influences together I thought that was great. Yeah, really impressive stuff. Uh, a band that put out essentially 10 minutes of music that I thought was amazing is <laughs> there's a British uh, black metal band called Crimson Throne who released probably my favourite black metal song of the year. <laughs> uh, it's only like four minutes long The the is called uh, The Resilience of Life and Death and just mm. the first track on it is absolutely brilliant. Second track on it's cool but the first track is amazing. Yeah. Like if like, Black metal in a kind of traditional vein just done so bloody well. Uh, uh, one that had one of my favourite covers, "Bull of apis, Bull of bronze, with offerings of flesh and gold. Are you come across this Another American, very, very left-wing um, black metal, like nice. a band who have been happily making a stance against a lot of the NS shit going around the scene in recent years, and just put out a kind of very progressive, but very heavy, brutal uh, kind of black metal album with a lot of trappings of older like early early kind of Norwegian stuff in mm. there but explored in a really interesting way yeah just an excellent yeah. release
1: something that probably doesn't class as full black metal but black and roll um, Dark Throne released Old Star this year mm. uh, which I actually really got on with like it's just a sort of really pleasant like half an hour 40 minutes of Dark Throne being really groovy uh, and I think writing some of the best riffs they've written since like Circle the Wagons Um <laughs> I've heard nothing about nothing but good
0: things about this exactly. album. I completely missed it myself, but
1: I really liked it. Like the first song, actually, "Muffet You're in a Choir" is really good. Like it's really catchy, great vocals, drums sound about as good as they've ever sounded on Dark Throne. Um, they managed to get the raw but perfectly listenable sound, like like really listenable and catchy, down perfectly. I I really
0: liked this one. Oh, I, I really does. Um, I categorized progressive black metal separately, so miss some of my favorites. <laughs> uh, NIS uh, we covered earlier in the year yeah. put out uh, Despacer, which is another avant-garde music release, and this this was just one of those albums where I, I just couldn't believe the complexity of what they'd come up with. Mm. Like just so many genres captured in one smoothly transitioning release that managed to stay stays heavy and apocalyptic throughout. But has moments of real, like, depressing emotions come in there, and just excellent sound. Like, the instruments sound so good on this. And,
1: And the use of cello proving that, you know, taking, you know, it's come across as a gimmick many times the idea of taking in a saxophone and now the idea of taking in a cello, but it's taking in other instruments and using different textures and timbres is exactly what all metal bands should be looking at doing now, and this is just proof that. Any instrument used right can make a huge impact on an
0: album emotionally. Yeah, yeah. One, I have no idea what genre to put it in, but want to talk about because it proves the amazing point that however good you think your favourite bands are, there is some one guy you've never heard of yeah. um, in his bedroom doing stuff like as good, if not more inventive, <laughs> than anything you've ever heard. So this guy um, is very kindly in touch with the podcast quite a few times. This project's called Natural Mortar and the album's Anarchy 666 which I believe is his second release. UK one man I guess progressive black metal project? Yeah, like there's bits of it that do remind me of things like Dark Throne
1: in it. Um yeah I really like this one it's super catchy it's so um, good (laughs) and really fun like there's some amazing riffs in this and yet it's super aggressive at the same time
0: you can like so you can really feel the guy's anger it's very political and and he puts that like I I think my favourite song title was Raping a Cloud (laughs) (laughs) I like glad fucking tidings (laughs) that was just like a really good sort of Christmas is all bullshit kind of song I really liked that yeah it's an incredibly hateful album with some amazing choices of like there's so much vocal variation considering yeah. there's one guy yeah doing like, everything <laughs> some cool like almost clean stuff and then some far more kind of aggressive scream stuff the riffing is really complex it's all produced really nicely yeah it shows what can be done if you're able to spend a lot of time crafting stuff yeah. and yeah i am amazed it all came from one mind <laughs>
1: yeah yeah no this this is a really cool one and it It managed to do all of those things and yet remain incredibly catchy, like with so many great riffs that you just come away from it humming at the end of it.
0: Yeah, I I just can't wait to see what Igor does next to this. It's fucking awesome. Been my band of 2019. Yeah, uh, Malady put out oh, their, yes. their EP yeah, yeah. Symptoms Two. So I found Malady off of a list right at the end of last year with their 2018 album of Harm and Salvation, which is incredible. Mm. Um, so Malady have done three studio albums and two EPs, and what they do with their EPs is come up with something totally different mm. to their studio albums. Symptoms Two is ultra progressive. It's kind of a mixture of jazz, black and death metal, and traditional, like, rock. It's, yeah, yeah. And with Symptoms, like, you've got four tracks, and it starts with a basically, like, 15-minute-long build the, <laughs> the, with the EPs. Rather than going for traditional choruses or anything like that, it's far more doing these massively drawn-out build-ups, and using a saxophone rather than as a very lead thing. It's like... Interesting touches in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's just utterly incredible. The cover's brilliant. Th- this is just a band I think of one of the most interesting and progressive things out there at the moment. Won't be for everyone, but if you want to, you go to the real avant-garde end of of metal. Their EPs are up there. Some of the most interesting stuff out yeah. there. And it's such a great use of an EP format. Is trying out that completely new
1: style before you commit an entire album to it. You can try that out, see how it works, and actually get some experience at it before you write entire albums of that. And don't write off for just being an EP because
0: it's over half an hour long. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, yeah. It, longer it's than some l- albums. Longer than Gamora. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah, is only twenty-seven minutes long. Yeah. So next, we should address like our usual uh, well-covered genre of doom. Um, any particular favourites this year from this side of things? Um, I mean, this one's in a way a slightly tricky one to
1: fill out in terms of genre but one that really stood out to me was Bull Elephant. I love Um, this. (laughs) It's a really cool album so like the story of it deserves to be told because and I may get this slightly wrong but the idea is um, and Bull African Elephant um, Nazi occultists try to bring it back to life to use as a war weapon um, but the ritual is intercepted by a shaman who takes control of of the elephant and makes it
0: fight Nazis, which is fucking amazing. So, so to go into a bit more detail about this, this is a debut album, self-titled by a UK band. Um, who, we don't know the lineup of, but this album came out with an accompanying comic book yeah. that they massively uh, underproduced. So, like, I don't know how we get hold of it. Hopefully, they're yeah. doing a new run of it. But yeah, so it's a really great mixture of like, kind of. Your heavy, aggressive sludge doom, but some more classic doom elements with like quite mm. clean vocals, and then some really brutal, almost death metal parts. Yes, yeah, so like um,
1: the song Corrupted Truth was one I was allowed to put on one song at the New Year's party I went to, and I put that one on. It's good just, work. It's just like this pummeling, like unrelenting series of riffs, but then we'll pull into these really catchy riffs. Vocalist as well, phenomenal, like incredible harsh vocals, like and then amazing screams and cleans as well. Like manages to capture so many tones and styles
0: throughout the same album. Yeah, um, and as the artwork on it is from the comic, the artwork's amazing. Yeah, as well. the, the front cover of the giant mutant elephant crashing through a wall onto loads of Nazi soldiers. Yeah. If that doesn't make you want to check out an album, <laughs> then we we don't we don't agree <laughs> on things. <laughs> woodland rights uh oh yeah yeah this is one that's on my to check out list yeah, yeah so um i saw these guys live at the start of the year and they are a really good kind of stoner doom slash new wave of british heavy metal band who do just that sounds so right it's but it's not self-indulgent in the guitar solo passages the vocals are fucking excellent i've seen them live twice now on both times they're a really fun live show we're a really dynamic front man and their, their studio stuff holds up to it really well. I believe they got an EP before this, but it's basically debut album, yeah. Another thing that's on my list to listen to that I've only managed to do a cursory
1: listen to yet is um, Hanford released an EP called um, Odin, I
0: think. I completely missed um, this.
1: Yeah, so I think this is relatively recent, or I may have just missed it. Uh, but Hanford we covered when our friend Simon was on um, the show talking about Um, Their album whose name has escaped me but they are a sort of traditional doom band with a phenomenal vocalist who can switch between harsh and cleans and And his cleans are so good his cleans are phenomenal so he can reach these amazing highs and then get these guttural lows Um, so I'm really excited to see what they've
0: come out with because I just noticed that before coming here today and if you've not heard of them before they're from the Faroe Islands so Mm. I think if nothing else that's worth giving them a go they're one of the two metal bands (laughs) along with Tia who will will always be in the Shadow on yes. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um one me and Rob I think had differing opinions on, but I came to quite like eventually was Solar the Sun when the Shadows forced them to light. So finished Doom band who've been going for so many years now and basically just consistently pushing out quite creative, very melodic Doom. Um yeah, if you've not checked them out, definitely worth a go. But they're they're a slow burn, they never do mm. um anything that is like an immediate hook, it's all about Slowly getting into the emotion of what they're doing, I think.
1: Yeah, this one got a huge amount of coverage, and like, there's so much cool stuff in it. I wish I liked it more. Like, maybe it's just one of those things that needs more time. But fully on, like,
0: there's loads of cool stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. I think from there, be good points. Probably transition to some of the stuff I can't quite categorise. Got a load of stuff I can't categorise. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll we'll start on that then. Um, what I think, because it's another Sweden band, and I'm not. Well sorry, Finland that shit. But yeah, Swedish band I really like this year. Uh, in Morning put up Garden of Storms. I don't know if you've ever come across In Morning before. I haven't come across the latest album. Um... Oh, okay, so Garden of Storms. Basically, In Morning are a band, I got into I think the second album, Monolith, back in like 2009, something like that, and was convinced they were gonna get massive. And mm. they just never they never seemed to take off. They never seemed to really get the attention and this album is once again a really solid slab of slightly progressive melodic black slash death metal mm. with some other like with some very clean vocal elements as well it's just a very well done progressive metal album yeah brilliant album cover really nice production really engaging songs but yeah just never seem to get any
1: attention mm-hmm um a thing i thought was really cool was um russian circles' blood year mm. um which is an incredibly intense instrumental album um which has both incredible groove on it phenomenal rhythm section work but perhaps some of the finest of this year like the bass playing on this is so good the number of sort of effects he cycles through is brilliant adds so much to it um they managed to take you on an incredible emotional journey without you ever hearing
0: any words or lyrics at all and i think that's incredible no the russian circles are a band i've been Kind of into for a long time, but this year getting more and more sort of deep into their stuff and yeah, this this out Blood Year is one of their strongest releases yet. Mm. It doesn't doesn't do anything they haven't done before, but they're just really finding the perfect tone for what they do these days and yeah, it's so heavy and having seen them live doing this stuff was, was absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Neuronaut who we talked about on the sort of halfway through the year episode released State of Not Enough which was really cool you know it was a mix of sort of the avant-garde black metal that Virus would would pioneered but then mixed with other things that bands like Code had done and then with other influences from sort of progressive rock and stuff like that it was a really cool album quite tight I really liked where they went with the final song of Chromesthesia and like with huge like weird interlocking guitar riffs and I'm really hoping that we get more of
0: that weirdness from them in the future. Um, one in the progressive vein we have to mention because there'll be a lot of talking about this, uh, Opeth put out, yes. uh, Incardium Venenum,
2: venenum in venen- yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Incardium Venenum, um, yeah, so what does this stand for you in the the OPEF catalogue? So I really like this. Um,
1: I think it's probably one of the most interesting parts of this sort of second phase of OPEF we've got. Um, possibly my favourite since um, before Heritage. Um, I really liked how they added so many elements. They've added these sort of huge like vocal parts to it, this sort of circus music influence almost. I liked how varied the album was, how it had so many different tones. Like on the garotta, it feels like a jazz album.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Michael Ackerford's vocals, again, are just coming on in leaps and bounds. Like, he's so good now. He can manage these sort of slightly raspy stuff and then the beautiful cleans. Um, I thought it had a lot of variation, really dynamic. Uh, yeah, one of the most interesting
0: things they've done for a long time. Uh, the thing I found really interesting about this album is it takes about... It's something like six to eight minutes in before you realise it's an Opeth album. Yeah. If you put that on to someone who had no idea they had a new album now, the whole intro, the whole first mm. half of the song is so different to their style. And it's not until uh, Mikhail goes into his very traditional cleans, Yeah. you suddenly get, oh shit, there's an Opeth ring. Yes, me. yeah. So I've done a bit of an about-face with um, more modern Opeth, where... I, for ages, was saying Sorceress and Pale Communion massively outranked Heritage. And I actually started to think, I think Pale Communion is kind of probably the most boring thing they've done. Sorceress hasn't stuck with me as much as I thought it was Mm. going to. And I actually think Heritage is way cleverer than I ever gave it credit. And I think this album sort of takes off where Heritage left off with their very... um, Interesting use of silence and spaces in the music. Mm. Like, and the thing with heritage and the thing with this album is, it doesn't sound like Opeth anymore, really. No.
1: And in a way, that's sort of what Opeth needed to do at this time. I think, like, they needed to just go, look, we're going to do something completely different. Because I feel that with Pale Communion, like, the criticism of it is, it's too safe. Yeah, it's just. We're going to do that thing again and just sort of play it by the numbers and do all the bits that people thought were kind of cool. It's not a bad album. Like, I really oh, no. like it. But In Chord of Anenum goes, well, what if we just went a bit mad and took in loads of weird influences and did something completely different? And I love it for that. It's
0: such a such a varying and interesting album. Yeah, it really makes uh, good use of the keyboards now. That's a proper part of their sound. and the the new keyboard player has really put a stamp on this album yeah. like very clearly and this this just feels like that band's at their most coherent like mm. they're they're kind of it's not really new lineup at this point but the lineup that's been going for the last three or four albums has really solidified yeah and... it's
1: crystallized and they've decided what it is that they're doing and they're
0: going right we're going to do that and we're going to take some creative risks and do something really interesting it sounds utterly beautiful but then again I think with a band as big as Opeth didn't that would be a damning criticism because yeah. they've got time and money to yeah. make an album sound incredible. But yeah,
1: I I really like this. The thing I'm curious about is um did you listen to the Swedish version as well as the English version?
0: Oh so, right. When they've been touring it, they sing it Swedish. Oh, okay. And if you when getting the album, disc two is the English disc. It is, yeah. I've yeah. never listened to the English disc.
1: That's really interesting. So I've listened to both, but I've listened to the English one way more. And I think that's just one of those things where when you recognise it, you're just going to listen to that one a bit more. I started off with the Swedish one and then switched to the English one. I listened to the English one a lot. And the thing that I found that's really interesting between them, somehow they make the vocal phrases just match. Yeah, like They, yeah, that's they somehow get it to just fit. And like the English one, it doesn't sound stretched. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming they perhaps wrote it in Swedish first and that
0: was how it was written. But, but maybe it wasn't. So, um, I think the way it's been released, I'm assuming the Swedish was the kind of the correct version of yeah, the album, and yeah. the other one was there like, oh, we'll do this too.
1: Yeah, but um, but the none of the lyrics sound silly at all. It all sounds as if it was meant to be in English, and all of the vocal phrasing fits perfectly.
0: So that's that's a lot of work that it takes to create something like that. Now I've listened to it about ten plus times, though I don't think I could even listen to the English version. I It'd think be it, really strange. I think it? it's going to do that uncanny valley thing, where you're like you know this is something slightly different. Yeah. yeah. So I've just stuck with the Swedish, and I think it's brilliant, and I think it loses nothing for not having me understanding the lyrics. Mm. So yeah, they, I mean that's my my personal stance on it. But yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think you're you're quite reasonable to go for the one where you can actually understand the lyrics as they've offered that up as a, yeah. a as a listening yeah. method. Um, another ultra progressive one, more jazz rock than it is anything else. Uh, thank you, Scientist, but yeah. a terraformer.
2: Yeah, this which is
0: really good. Which, like, every time I listen to it, I have to go. Like, God, these guys, these guys can really play. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's exciting and uplifting, um,
1: and manages to be heavy at times despite mm. all of that. Like, it's it's really interesting how they're using all of those techniques to create the feeling of heaviness, but in a different way. Yeah, if
0: you've not come across Thank You Scientists, there are seven piece that have this core, guitar bass and drums, but then a violinist, a trombone and a saxophone player, as well as a, a very high pitched clean vocalist, and just have these kind of all sorts of melodies going on at once. Yeah. Switching between every genre under the sun, as Rob said, having moments that are all quite metallic in places, but then bits that are total jazz and bits that are like kind of cool rock stuff it's it's absolutely amazing and played by guys who can play rings around anyone yeah. their lead guitarist yeah. is just insane yeah. I, I yeah, yeah. I, such an unassuming looking guy every time I see him <laughs> yeah, live yeah. I just it's like he's making fun of all of us ab- by ab- being that good I know
1: absolutely none of them look like they should be doing what they're doing their singer does
0: not look like he should be able to produce those beautiful highs that he does it's, <laughs> <No>. it's crazy <laughs> it's really interesting um Another one uh, kind of outside the metal realm, but sort of moving towards it with this album. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard yeah. put out uh, Infest the Rat's Nest. Which is basically a thrash album <laughs> done by a weird sort of indie rock band. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like a band known for being very psychedelic rock, playing around with a lot of interesting stuff and putting out an obnoxious amount of releases. Look, a year. This is their
1: second release this year.
0: Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> well, coming down from five, the previous I know, one. I know, I know. But, um, yeah, really exciting band with always focused on interesting lyrics. And this album has a very raging environmentalist theme mm. its heart, which fits nicely with them going for this way harsher direction than anything they've yeah. done before. Really scratchy guitars, sort of like Slayer,
1: Angel of Death-style kick drums at the beginning of the album. Like, it's it's bizarre, but it takes... It's sort of... It's like taking thrash, but coming at it from a completely different perspective. And making it in a completely different way, which gives you something which you know could have been made back when Metallica made Kill 'Em All or something like that, like one of those weird offshoots of a genre which someone did it just thinking about it completely differently, which yeah. I think is
0: great. Excellent guitar and bass work throughout, like yeah. loads of really cool solos, loads of really cool like like just like grooves that are mainly led by the bass and really anthemic choruses it's just Mm. it's one of those things it just feels like a great aggressive rock album start to finish yeah really enjoyed it
1: other things in the sort of metal adjacent category um, it's a band called Stiu Nustiu Um, I think they're Finnish if I remember correctly Um, and they're sort of a weird angular post rock band who make post rock that is weirdly heavy um like with odd time signatures, like the sort of big song from it was um Siberian, which is this really nice sort of seven-eight bass groove that it starts off with. Um really interesting album. I've been I've been into them since Fake End, which was released in twenty sixteen, and they're just they're just that slightly weird, unsettling corner of post-rock that I really like, but super catchy with lots of them. Um, know really poppy female vocals over the top of this unsettling post rock really worth checking out if you like that corner of metal. If you're into something like Russian circles, this might sort of work for you.
0: More in the Russian circle vein, uh we have the uh, debut P from Myru, another brilliant UK mm. band, The Sacred Dissonance. This these guys genuinely, if they can keep up with that 25 minutes they put out so far, they are they could be a serious player in like that modern post hardcore like really cult of luna like style yeah. Yeah. massively heavy like i think they're instrumental band aren't they they um, are yeah yeah that massively heavy instrumental like russian circles kind of sound yeah i couldn't believe how good this was I know, for know, and that
1: exact, exact thing that russian circles do and all of those good sort of post rock post hardcore bands do of managing to Tell stories through the instrumental that takes you on a journey. Where when you're at the end, you think, "Do they have vocals? I don't know." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it had pretty much the same effect with or without.
0: Yeah, I, I felt really, really impressive stuff. Mm. Um, Cult of Luna put out a Dawn of Fear, which is just a really good Cult of Luna album. I don't know if you uh, had time to listen to it. Massive to this one. No, no. Um... Uh, Cult of Luna are one of these bands who have such a discography at this point. It is daunting whenever they put out something new but yeah it's a really solid cult of lunar album just does the thing they do very very well Mm. that kind of isis neurosis post-hardcore vein um
1: devon townsend put out empath um which is fascinating and complex i don't know if it fully works for me but it's kind of incredible regardless of whether you actually like it no, or not.
0: The the existence of it is mind-blowing, because it does everything.
1: Yeah, but and with we've, we've three drummers, and that's one of the things that I've got really into with it, even if the album as a whole doesn't grab me in a way that some of Devin's previous stuff has, as an enormous Devin Townsend fan. The, looking at the three different drummers and how they've utilised them in different ways, using the extreme metal drumming, the sort of funk drumming, and the more pop drumming, is incredible, like how they've done that, how they've marshaled
0: all of those diverse elements together is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked the track off it. Um, it had a very strange music video. The one that's basically an opera song. Oh, I completely forget the name of it. That one is Genesis, is, is it? That? I think the, the, I, that was the first one they released on YouTube. No, Genesis video. is the one where it's like every genre, yeah, it's was. like everything. Yeah, There's one was just like a piece of classical music, mm. and it's absolutely incredible. I can't remember the name of the track. That, um, but, but yeah, that song I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Genesis uh, to me felt a bit wanky. Yeah, it, bad. It, it was just a bit too like. As much as I love genre transitions, like I think the problem was like, Bevan Townsend can do transitions better than that, yeah. and I I felt that was a bit like. Here's one thing. Here's another. Here's another. It was a bit schizophrenic.
2: Mm. Incredible,
0: mm. truly like mind blowing. anyone could have recorded it. I just didn't love
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, that's kind of my feelings on the whole album. Like, I kind of love it and don't like it in a weird <laughs> way. Like, like, it doesn't it doesn't hit me emotionally like a lot of Devon Townsend stuff has in the past. But at the same time, I'm just kind of in awe of the sheer scope of
0: the thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's still,
0: it's still really fun. Like, I'd love to see it live. That would be great. One I don't know if you heard this year, uh, a band called The Moth Gatherer from Sweden put out Esoteric Depression. Um, this is an album where it essentially does that kind of um, oh, what are they called? The Ocean, that oh, kind yeah. of sound, like yeah, that, it's that kind of vein of like in places quite stripped back, that, that kind of like atmospheric hardcore sound. But this just did something where it's like I realised how much of a, like a mark I am for this in music where. The song, like, the song gets kind of the, the interest on the album gets kind of heavy, and you're like, okay, cool, kind of on board with this. You've got the, the screen vocals, and then kind of mellows out into this cool bit of like female vocals over not all that much happening. Like, mm. oh, that's quite nice and then it builds back to heavy as fuck again and then the female vocals from the quiet bit come in over the heavy as fuck bit and as soon as that happened I was like absolutely brilliant five (laughs) stars like I I realised as soon as a band can pull off doing that kind of very clean uh, melodic female vocals over extremely heavy riffing Mm. I'm just I'm always sold and there's other great stuff on this album but but that little bit of guest vocals I was like that moment like 10 out of 10 brilliant we
1: mentioned on the halfway through the year podcast, um, Valborg, um, released, oh, I can't remember the name of the album now. Um, but Valborg released a really interesting sort of like technical, yeah, like tech, technical metal album. Um, really interesting, like almost rammstein in places, but also way more extreme with plenty of blast beats in it, like guitars, which wouldn't be out of place on something like Hellhammer, like elements of Sabbath in some of those riffs. Um, Really cool, like aggressive vocals, huge like synth soundscapes which amp- accent the whole thing, um, and like weirdly touching towards the end of the album where they um, sort of exchange sampled vocals with chanted vocals and the harsh vocals themselves. Um, so I really liked this. Like I sort of sort of got really into it, came off of it a bit, and then have now come back and re listened to it and thought, no, actually, this is really good. Mm. It matches intensity and catchiness of these sort of technical. Um, elements really nicely. Industrial is what I mean to say, not technical. I keep saying technical. I mean to say industrial. Very
0: industrial metal album. Yeah. I, I, I wonder what you're, you're getting at there. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the most technical, but no. it is very industrial. Yeah, yeah. One uh, I really like, I like, don't think you've heard yet, was Raw Calls' The Muller No, I haven't. This, this album is so fucking weird. It's an incredibly... Oppressive, aggressive, kind of like doom meets hardcore kind of thing. This band had been going for a while. Um, uh, based in Switzerland, actually. There's a fifth album. The concept of this album, though, was an author has recently put out a book, I believe, by the same name, and mm. that author narrates these bizarre passages of um, like uh, like kind of narration passages while the hardcore is building up into these extremely aggressive moment. And it just makes the whole thing feel utterly terrifying. Like, the whole experiences album is really creepy. And telling this this very strange story in seven parts, it's the most engaged I've been with lyrics on an album ever because I've got a proper professional <laughs> writing huge portions of them. But that collaboration as well of, like, having a book that's directly related to what they're doing, the, the book only came out, as I say, like, two years back. Mm. It, like... The, the overall idea is just really weird. I've, I've not seen something like that before. And they pull it off. And, then, and at the heart of it, it's still just a really great hyper-aggressive album.
1: called Peak, which is H-A-Z-P-I-Q, who put out an album called Cepheid, which I thought was really cool. She got into it at the beginning of this year. It's like a sort of post-rock, post-metal thing, which does sort of like, if you think about how Gojira used tapping in their music, it does that, but on guitars that aren't nearly as distorted, and then actually manages to have some really heavy segments as well as catchy segments, and there's bits, there's grooves in it that almost remind me of something like Porcupine
0: Tree... Match of this sort of post rock thing, which I thought was really cool. Um, I think that's that's everything I've got in the metal realm. I've got a few things that are just totally unrelated, that I want to mention just because I really like them. But go for it, I think that's pretty much everything I have. Um, yeah, as far as metal's concerned. Okay, as an I now want to mention just because it justifies why this podcast is coming out after the end of the year, Deha, the um, black metal vocalist from Malady. Uh, who has done too many albums for his own good? Uh, <laughs> he's put out five this year, Damn. on top of the Malavi EP. Uh, put out a solo album called uh, under his own name called uh, All in Block Caps with No Spaces. I don't want to be surrounded, which is basically <laughs> really brilliant pop punk. Cool, and it's yeah. just
2: really excellent. <laughs> it's
0: just it's pop punk, but with they has. Absolutely brilliant vocal delivery with his kind of like half scream, half sung voice mm. with a kind of like real nastiness to the guitar tone. But essentially, it's Ramones riffs, and yeah, yeah, it's just excellent. And this is a guy just uh, he's also put out like two proper drone doom projects and two really blackened, furious things. Mm. Just an incredible musician. They're based in Belgium, but uh, we're getting a lot of very cool. I don't know what genre it is stuff. Mm. And finally, one I've been obsessed with, which is totally so removed from the world of metal, it's ridiculous. Uh, This is the kind of, I guess, sort of off-kilter folk artist from the UK, Richard Dawson, put out 2020, I believe his third album, which is a brilliant kind of solo project where it's just him telling these weird little like stories that are very specific to the UK, mm. in his really thick Northern accent. Um, <laughs> with it, everything about this is just weird and off kilter. Nothing yeah. made like the vocal delivery is not what you would expect at any point in it. But mm. he's managed to produce this whole thing where essentially it's just one guitar, one electric guitar, with little bits of keyboards and little bits of programmed drums. This would all totally work live as a one-man project, and the songs are just these sort of brilliant little insights into very, very personal stories, which feel very much like working-class Middle England tales. Mm. I have no idea if this will make sense to anyone outside the UK. <laughs> I have no idea whether his accent is even penetrable yeah, to people outside yeah. the UK. But it's really cool stuff. I've seen his music described as like folk by way of Captain Beefheart. Oh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds <laughs> really fun. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really good stuff. And his lyrics are simultaneously heartfelt and really funny. Um, so if that's it in
1: terms of albums. There's a couple of other things interesting from this year. Yeah, go for it. Um, so bands that have reformed, which I thought was interesting, Catatonia have returned from hiatus. So be up for seeing what happens
0: there. Yeah, I, I've got to admit, I found I lost interest in Catatonia. Like, not... I had no issue with what they were doing. I just kind of found they did the same thing for a while. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see if they change the formula at all with the newer stuff. Yep, uh, and Merciful Fate are returning for a tour, mm. which I'm very
1: excited to see. Yeah, um, that I'm
0: very up for. Well, that would be immense fun. Oh, we didn't actually mention it. King Diamond also put out that single this New year. New track. Yeah, 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 that was great. Which actually, sounds
1: really good. Um, yeah, that's it. That's been part of my things to look forward to. Uh, yeah, which are coming yeah. forwards. Um, Another sort of sadder thing, um, Nature from Tenegar Cavalry died earlier this
0: year, age 29, which was... Yeah, because I'd really tipped Tenegar Cavalry, another band I thought, now, like when he moved to the States, I thought, oh, these guys have got a chance of breaking big. Yeah, But I think, um, yeah, it's just really sad that, yeah, really, really creative musician, really pushing things forward in that kind of like... Chinese slash Mongolian style. Yeah, and yeah at, sadly. At, it's... at such a young age, after having made such a
1: huge sort of impact on the scene, it's it's such a shame for that to happen. But again, an amazing legacy of music to leave behind and such a huge impact
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Um, on all of us.
1: Um, in terms of best gig, I thought was something that's worth talking about. I think we, we definitely
0: agree, don't I we? I suspect
1: we have the same answer, which was Imperial Triumphant and Bast yeah, yeah. Um, in Bristol at the Lanes, which was an incredible show. Um, Bast would have been enough to edge it up into my top, you know, three gigs of the year. Like they were a phenomenal. They're sort of a um, English-based three-piece like black metal band, really. Well, I'd
0: say they're they're more in the vein of that kind of doom slash post-hardcore, very um, expansive, long build songs. Like, yeah, they, yeah. They they're a free they're a free piece. If you never heard them, their album came, out, I think, back in twenty maybe twenty eighteen absolutely brilliant really mm. really good actually the kind of stuff it puts me in mind of if you like bands like and Ra yeah something yeah. kind of in that vein but a bit more accessible and with a bit more kind of variety going on mm. Um, And with a really cool thing of... um,
1: So they have two vocalists. uh, Their guitar player does some of the vocals, but most of the harsh vocals are done by their drummer while keeping up with everything that's happening, which was really impressive to see. Um, Amazing bass tone to the whole thing as well. A really great three-piece to that. sounded so powerful. Um, And then followed by Imperial Triumphant, which managed to upstage almost every metal band I've ever seen by just being some of the best musicians I've ever watched and creating an incredible atmosphere um, the drumming will forever stay with me. Like th- this moment where at the beginning, Kenny the drummer did a fill entirely on the rims of the toms
0: and the snare. And I just think I've never seen a metal band do that ever before in my life. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was spellbinding. And what was so interesting because the uh, Imperial Triumph are a power trio. The guitarist doesn't really play any riffs. No. He's just making odd noises throughout the set, and it just works. Mm. I, like I've never like. Talking of stuff I've never seen before. I have never seen someone tremolo pick while moving the whammy bar before. (laughs) So much of it was completely alien, but then all capped off with this perfect stage imagery. They're Mm. a band who've got the costumes done just right. Yeah. Like it's it's not too much, it's not too heavy, it doesn't require hours of
1: setting up. Basically, they just put the masks on, put the cloaks on, job done. Still gives them space to
0: do vocals easily without interfering in any way. Yeah, and up close, it all still looks powerful and terrifying yeah. and con- yeah, it, it was. And we saw this in a fucking bowling yeah, alley yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> with, with, with about like forty people there. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, but it was still utterly spellbinding. And, and this band performed as if, like, you know. They just come from playing like an absolutely sold out room at Damnation the previous mm. night and lost nothing in the transition. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Arch professionals and so good. Completely phenomenal. And the bass playing as well.
1: Like, mm. so much stuff was going on there. Like, holding down the rhythm because of the guitar, we have no idea what the
0: guitar's doing. <laughs> but at the same time, putting in loads of like bluesy and jazzy touches to the whole thing. And doing stuff that was completely weird and atonal and making it fit. But yeah, I, like. Imperial Trumpet and the band I really enjoyed on studio before, but it just suddenly clicked, and I I, I realized why they're brilliant after yeah, seeing that. Yeah, has
1: so much more texture live. G- um, another gig I really liked was um, Demonic Resurrection, mm. who like really surprised me because I've always thought Demonic Resurrection were pretty cool from their studio releases, but live they're so much heavier.
0: Yeah, and I, I loved hearing all those songs given like the true justice to them. Yeah, yeah, it's a real shame with them because they because they're an Indian band. It's hard to tour the world because mm. it's bloody expensive. So I have seen bits of the band come to the country. Like, yeah. it's all, all Demon Seal the front frontman's always there? But this time he managed to bring his guitarist with him. Yeah. Whereas last time we saw him, he managed to bring his drummer <laughs> and had like, to had fill in musicians for the rest of the rest of the band each time, but despite that so excellent and with yeah. the brilliant oscaris in uh, yes a UK very very brutal Beth metal band yeah. support yeah really good stuff yeah, really cool um another one which was sort of ticked off my list
1: of bands that I had to see um was cattle decapitation oh shit, um, yeah that was good. also incredible seeing Travis Ryan live is something else it's disgusting yeah it's the- really really <laughs> disgusting
0: like his vocals absolutely incredible I can't believe how well they work live I also was not prepared for the moment where he spat in the air, caught it, and then <laughs> snorted it. <laughs> Which made me want to vomit. <laughs> but yeah, Doing he, his job perfectly. <laughs> he's,
1: just, he's just one of the absolute best extreme vocalists who's out there. Uh, there's no one who really approaches
0: the diverse amount of stuff he can do, and it's incredible to see him do that. And now the, the four-piece backing band he's got supporting him are incredible. They They yes. are so... So perfectly tight that that you you like went through the mosh pit just so you can get to the front to see the yeah. drummer at one point. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of hidden in all layer of fog. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, like incredible to watch. So so precise. Um,
0: are there any other gigs that you want to mention from this year? Um, I think the only stuff that sort of really stood out to me is incredible. Is um, going to uh, well the first day of Arctangent Fest before I got rained out of it. Um, <laughs> Seeing some really interesting stuff like Nordic Giants and Daughters mm. and... Um, oh, God, I'm blanking the name of the band. Uh, oh, Pine or P I J N. however oh, you pronounce I, yeah. that word. <laughs> seeing a load of really interesting stuff like that in one day was really special, because that was getting out of my comfort zone to see a lot of mm. metal that wasn't my usual thing. or Although, not even metal, a lot of like stuff like Daughters, I don't know quite what you classify that as, but, mm. yeah... Interesting. <laughs> uh,
1: another gig sort of going Bristol focused now was um, Mistmas, Mistmus, which we went along to. Mm. Um, caught Franklin Mint who are a fantastic experimental like prog rock with metal
0: tendencies, Bristol band. I, I would say a band that if you're into like um, Faith No More, if you if you yeah. if you dig yeah. kind of Faith No More stuff, it's got that kind of anarchy and madness. largely rooted in rock slash heavy metal yeah yeah like really bizarre but with like loads of elements of funk and stuff like
1: that they were great it's the first i've managed to catch them live fantastic um and headlined by mist uh who played their best set i think i've ever seen them play phenomenal work from all of them um particularly impressed by the drums um incredibly precise
0: really honing their craft at this point and Looking to release an album at some point soon, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I mean, their band will be plugging the hell out of when they finally get a full length out. But they, they're they really interesting because they do a nice mixture of... The front man brings a lot of like theatrics and kind of awesome clean vocal stuff for the project Mm. whereas the bass player and one of the guitarists are very much rooted in black metal yeah but then the drummer and other guitarists are far more rooted in interesting progressive metal so the sound is a mix of those three influences yeah and it's just really cool it's a great idea which gives so much stuff and with
1: both bass player and guitarist Doing half harsh vocals and then having the drummer join in on cleans as well, along with the bass player and the guitar player. They have so much to work with and can create
0: so many soundscapes and harmonies and,
2: yeah. and then
0: really heavy sections as well. well. They have those like Haken style moments where you get four different yeah. clean vocal lines going at once, which I, I think is incredible. Like, uh, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, any other gigs from this year? I would say, though, you've pretty much covered like yeah my, my real top highlights. Although, yeah, I've seen a lot of cool stuff. Sure, but... there's other things, but it's always, yeah, it's trying to
1: remember those things that really stick with you. Um, in terms of things to look forward to, I was just looking through the bands that are putting together albums at the moment that I think would be really interesting. Um, some of the ones that really stand out for me um, Ulcerate are back in the studio. Oh, cool, um, cool. Creating something, so I'm really keen to see what they've put together. Because uh, the last album, I
0: think, Shrines of
1: Paralysis, yeah, yeah, uh, was amazing. So, yeah, they're one of the most interesting voices, I think, in that extreme side of death metal. So,
0: certainly so from like a drumming
1: perspective, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Oceans of Slumber, yeah, are working yeah. on their next album, which I'm really interested because they've now sort of retooled their lineup a little bit. I'm really interested to
0: see in what direction they decide to take things. In that point. same vein, I forgot the name of it now. Um... Dobber, uh, the drummer of Oceans of Slumber, put out this incredible Death Doom demo earlier this year. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, and I've totally blanked the name of it. But that, I can't wait to see turning into a full project. Nice.
1: Um, Martin Mendez from OPEF has got a Death Metal side project oh, called yeah. White Stones, uh, which is going to be doing something soon. Um, I'm really interested to see that, because he's a fantastic bass player. So yeah. if nothing yeah. else, Death Metal with really interesting bass. I'm a sucker for that.
0: And then especially because it's a member of Opeth going to the kind of harsh side of Opeth, which they will not be doing exactly. again. So, Yeah, yeah. High hopes for it, but yeah, we'll see what happens because it's very unproven ground. Yeah.
1: Um, Paradise Lost have got a new album which is on the way and has just been described by frontman Nate Holmes as quite eclectic. So, um... Well, see, I've been a fan of their recent stuff, so um, I'm up for seeing what they've got. How up would you be for it if they basically do something like One Second again, though? Uh, not hugely, but
2: uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I reckon. I don't know the recent, the track record they've got at the moment makes me think that it's probably going to be quite The last three albums have been very good, yeah. Yeah, um, Ishan has got two EPs on the way next year.
0: Oh. which I think is quite interesting. I wonder where he's going for that format,
1: yeah. If he's looking to... I'm. What I'm hoping is that he's looking to experiment with a few more different sounds and try that through EPs, which I
0: think would be perfect for the sort of stuff Ishan does. Because I've got to admit, with Ishan, as much as I love stuff like uh, Angel and After, I'm kind of getting fed up with his newer releases. Like, I've not been... The last couple of albums haven't stuck with me so mm. much, so if he can find like a new dynamic, a new sound again... I'd be very excited for yeah, that. I'd be really up for that. Um, on a similar vein, Enslaved are in studio recording the next
1: album, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited to see. Again, as the new lineup is now properly established has a really solid album under their belt, it'll be really interesting to see what they come up with. Well, it's the first album without that
0: drummer. Yeah. Their first album in like that's, 20 years, I think. That, that's um, going to be a
1: huge test. But, yeah,
0: um, I'll be interested to see. Uh, I'll never write off anything Iva's doing, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, King Diamond, as we said, is in studio. He's recorded one
1: song, which sounds really good. Mm. So, looking forward to see what that comes to. Um, Meshuggah are writing a new album, um, which is a lot uh, since uh, Clockwork was the last one, which was last year, I think, or was it the year before? was 2016, no, the last one, 2016. I
0: think. Wow, unless I've missed one, yeah, God, I can't believe I've no, no, missed no. one, no, yeah,
1: um, yeah, I think it's 2016, the last album, so that'll be interesting. And then on the similar and now Nathrak are writing a new album at the moment and going into recording, so interested to see what that ends up being. Um, Napalm Death are currently mixing their okay, next album. Okay, so they've
0: yeah, already got it. Oh, damn, nice. We're
1: well on the way to releasing it. Um, Body Count are also mixing Carnivore their next oh, album. I've heard
0: the single of that. It's quite sounded quite good. <laughs> I haven't heard the single actually, but that sounds really interesting.
1: Um, and I, the final one, I believe Voices are working on their fourth album at the moment. So have they given
0: any hint what,
1: on Earth, They have on? given no hint. They've just, just said it's the guys. fourth album. So hopefully it will be
0: something that completely fools us again. Yeah, <laughs> we have no yeah, idea what it will be. Yeah. Um, I guess for other categories, do you have any um, favourite covers of the year? Like album covers you really love? Because we haven't talked Ooh, about that in amount. That's a tough one. I think for me personally, my favourite is probably um, Unfathomable Ruinations. That Uh, is really good. The the particular artist behind that has been doing some incredible stuff. I would probably
1: say um, Olvik Volume 1 Mm. might be my favourite. The skull and discarded
0: bits of wood on the beach I felt was really poignant. I really liked it. We've seen some really cool stuff this year with them and, say, White Ward doing stuff which is all photo based. Uh, as we were saying at the start of this podcast, there's a couple of albums that might seem oddly absent from this discussion. <laughs> they're probably coming up later. And if they're yeah. not, let us know. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's basically mine and Rob's feelings on most of what we've heard this year. Mm. Get in touch with all the stuff we've missed. Obviously, like as we say, we love doing after this period, going and buying all the albums we've missed, all the cool stuff that totally passes by, I know Rob's mentioned a load I didn't, I completely missed all sorts of EPs that completely passed me by, so yeah get in touch with anything um, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook at Breakfast Metal uh, on Twitter or Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com if you want to get in touch by email uh, other than that, we will be back in about 5 days or so with our top 10 show we've already recorded that so I've just got to mix the two of them and yeah, <laughs> should have them both out this week uh, yeah, and then uh, following that, we'll be doing the best of the decade. Yeah. So we've yeah, I have my top ten list is in place for that now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for listening.